0: This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today.
1: This is a Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI Senior Writer Al Castle. Joined this week by another guest host, PWI Contributing Writer, Louis D. How are you, Louis? I'm doing great, Al. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Dan is still on assignment. I'm sure he'll be back with us uh, soon. But uh, it's good to have uh, Louis on because we're going to be talking some NXT. Uh, Louis is PWI's resident NXT specialist, so... Uh, We'll have a lot to talk about with kind of the changing face of NXT in recent months and and also looking ahead. And I'm sure we'll be talking uh, some of the news events. And uh, later on, we have an NXT uh, alum. Uh, I've got an interview from some weeks back. With Johnny Gargano, Uh, we talked by phone just before he made his debut as part of the uh, WWE uh, Raw Cruiserweight division. He was part of NXT at this time. Uh, So we talked about that, the the transition from being the star of the indies to now being a WWE employee, the the pros and cons of it, what he'll miss leaving behind, uh, that kind of thing. So uh, a fun chat with Johnny Gargano. Of course, we'll be talking about Pro Wrestling Illustrated and, uh, you know, for about 40 years now, the most respected uh, wrestling publication uh, in the U.S. for sure. And you can subscribe to it at pwi online. .com, the PWI 500 issue, uh, the big one, one of the biggest of the year, is uh, still available now. So go to go to pwi-online.com and you can pick it up. You can subscribe. Um, if you subscribe, you get a big discount over the cover price, half off. Louis, I'm doing this every week. How about, how about you take over here? Uh, why should fans go and pick up uh, PWI?
2: Well, I hope part of Dan's assignment is a, a nice massage or something after all the work <laughs> he does to, to spearhead— Putting together the PW 500, and for right now it, it. it's um, the uh,
1: the female 50s working on. So he's you know out of the frying pan into the fire.
2: That is correct. And the uh, the, the cage match at Hell in a Cell uh, between Sasha Banks and Charlotte. Uh, maybe who knows if that flips number one, number two, wherever they may lie uh, in that list right now. Uh, but as for why uh, why we should get the PW 500 issue, um, it's a comprehensive ranking of the 500 greatest wrestlers in wrestling today. How's that for a line?
1: Good? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> again, before you I'm know curious. it, uh, it's, it's the uh, female 50. And soon after that, we've got the year-end awards. There's always a, another big issue around the corner. So every time is the right time to go to pwi-online.com and uh, subscribe. Twitter, at Official PWI. You can find us on Facebook um, if you search PWI Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And uh, you can send us an email at PWIPodcasts at Outlook.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can uh, also listen to it streaming at pwi uh, uh Yes, please, support what we do. Anyway, uh, Louis, we don't talk about NXT uh, that much. And certainly, as of late, it's funny. I, there was uh, certainly for throughout 2015 and maybe the first half of half of 2016 it was the the hottest promotion i would say i don't know that that's changed but you know i don't know that the momentum is there that they were before uh you know they they just well. announced a, a show here in new york city at the theater of madison square garden uh, next month and you know i don't know that there's been all that much buzz about it uh, part of it i think is sort of the changing face of, of nxt one of maybe the the kind of underreported stories of the shakeup in WWE with the brand split and um, the draft is the impact NXT and and a lot of uh, uh, top talent leaving NXT sort of graduating to Raw. And so they had to sort of replenish that pipeline in NXT. Uh, So as an overview, I mean, do, do you feel that maybe they've lost a little steam from around this time last year?
2: Oh, oh, absolutely. I believe your synopsis is, is 100% on the mark. I mean, you have to look at it in terms of it's the developmental brand for WWE in theory. That, that's what it's there for. At times, it's looked more like the third brand than a straight-up developmental brand. And, you know, the era of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and those guys, Samoa Joe and Finn Balor with their seemingly year-long feud last year uh, that culminated in London. It's It's been a little bit better than developmental, but, you know, Still, that, that, that's its underlying theme, and, and now with a lot of those guys or all of the guys I actually mentioned outside of Samoa Joe gone, it, it, it's kind of like a AAA baseball team in a way where sometimes the top prospects are there and the team is really good, and then a year or two later when they graduate to the major leagues, maybe the talent isn't quite there underneath ready to take over just yet, so the, the quality of, the, of that team suffers. In the same way, you know, with all of those stars now moved up to the main roster, especially with the brand split, uh, you know, adding spots for guys like American Alpha and Mojo Rawley, and, and that tier of guys, you know, it's 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 a little less uh, a little less star driven, and you know, Austin Aries, Bobby Roode, Eric Young, now you know a lot of guys have come in from TNA actually over the last few months, starting to replenish that a little bit, but it, it takes some time, so they're they're kind of in a bit of a lull in terms of. The star power and the buzz, and you know Shinsuke Nakamura is clearly the the, the star of the bunch, the current NXT champion uh, Samoa Joe obviously still there, but uh, yeah, there's there's definitely a little bit of uh, a little bit of building to be done underneath that right now.
1: Yeah, I also sense one of the things that's happening is especially with the call up of of all those guys, Finn Balor and Bailey and and all the others that. The ones who were left behind, especially the top acts, the, the Shinsuke Nakamura's and Samoa Joe's, I feel like there's a little bit of resentment toward WWE uh, about it. Where before, the idea was you sort of celebrate that NXT has got uh, some of the top talent and it, it makes it the brand to watch. I think there's a little bit of a backlash now where it's sort of like, you know, get real. What is Nakamura still doing there? You know, um, n- not only should he be on the the main roster, you can make an argument for being one of the top guys, if not the top guy uh, on the main roster. And to some extent, you can make the same argument for for Joe. And, you know, maybe even a a Bobby Roode. I mean, coming off being a a top star in a national promotion for years, you know, do you sense that there's a little bit of resentment, a little bit of of backlash about these guys being held back?
2: Oh, from the fan base, definitely. But, you know, going into what I said earlier and what you just said, you know, coming into this question, listen, Shinsuke Nakamura is there because they need somebody to draw for that brand. It, it, it's developmental, but it is a brand. It, it's kind of in that hybrid role, as I mentioned before. So you need somebody there to draw. and You need a guy like Bobby Roode to, to bring in fan. I You see the fan reaction to Bobby Roode when he uh, debuted officially in Brooklyn. At the last takeover, and you know you see the reaction he gets on NXT TV from the full sail faithful, and he's a heel. <laughs> yeah, so it's right. you know you see that reaction he gets either way. Without those guys, yeah, you know Bobby Roode could be on SmackDown or Raw right now. Samoa Joe, Shinsuke Nakamura should probably all be on the main roster. But if you're main eventing shows, and this is not a knock on on these guys' talent or their future, but if you're main eventing shows with you know No Way Jose and Ty Dillinger and guys like that, it 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 may dilute the product a little more because then as you go down the line, you have guys who may not be ready for prime time having to take up big roles in that in that brand as well. Right. And so, yes, there's a little bit of backlash there, I'm sure, from the fans and, you know, I would love to see, personally as a fan, uh, a lot of these guys on, on Raw or SmackDown, but right now, this is, this is the way it is and you know, a year from now when, uh, like I said, some of these guys, other guys are ready for prime time, you know, maybe Nakamura is fighting AJ Styles on SmackDown for the championship instead of james ellsworth and someone yeah. else is, is taking his spot
1: and and i know it's all temporary i mean whether it's nakamura or joe or anybody else they will eventually move to the main roster it, it's a given um but I, I i do wonder whether you could be too big a star for nxt i mean i i'd almost johnny gargano who again we're gonna have an interview with here uh in a little bit. Huge star in uh, WWN, uh, Gabe Sapolsky's promotions, in Evolve, in uh, Dragon Gate before that, a, a star of the indies uh, for years and years, certainly a headline act on the indies, comes into Raw and it's understood that, well, you were a main event guy for the indies on Raw, you know, you come or come in somewhere in, in the middle or, or kind of the bottom of, of uh, the pack, which is understandable because... It's all kind of relative, right? Uh, Now, a guy like an Austin Aries, um, I feel like, yeah, he could absolutely headline an NXT show, uh, be an NXT top guy. If and when he moves over to the main roster, I don't see him necessarily as a top guy. But when you get a guy uh, like Nakamura and, to a little bit of a lesser extent, Joe, you're talking world-class star power, Right. Uh, again, not, not, not just totally. for NXT or even for WWE, but but certainly for Nakamura, you know, once in a generation lightning in a bottle kind of star power. And he's working these shows in front of whatever it is, 200, 200 fans. I, I understand it for some. I understand the grooming. Uh, the other issue is these guys are not getting any younger. I mean, Joe and, and Nakamura both are true. late 30s. It's like, you know. You know what, or get off the pot, right?
2: Absolutely, and you know, like you said, they're working shows in front of 200 people, and, and Nakamura is a once-in-a-generation talent. Just look again, look at the reactions he gets from the fans at, at his debut at Takeover, and, and, and since then, and just his charisma and what he brings to the table. You know, it's he's not there for seasoning, like some of the other uh, some of the other signees of, of the right. last couple of years, maybe like the Sami Zanes or Kevin Owens. He's there because he's a star, and he's biding time, really. Um, Samoa Joe, I mean, who? if you can ask any hundred people on the street if that they're great wrestling fans, if they wouldn't want to see Samoa Joe versus, say, Brock Lesnar yeah. as one of those kind of matches at WrestleMania, 99 out of 100 would say absolutely, and that other one would probably be like, who's Samoa Joe? <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's, it's, there's always going to be one in the crowd. But uh, just to to your point earlier, too, I'm looking right now at the card from... The takeover in London at the end of last year, this was a little over 10 months ago, and there were five matches on that show and then three matches prior to the show that were taped for the next week's NXT TV. 75% of the people on that show are on the main roster now. Right. So, you know, Austin Aries was not on that show. Bobby Roode was not on that show. Shinsuke Nakamura was not on that show. Um, that's three of the top guys in NXT. Hideo Tommy obviously was not on that show because he was injured, and unfortunately he's injured again. But th- there's a handful of top guys, you know, that are that are in NXT now. If you count a Tommy pre-injury, that weren't there, that are now kind of filling the void. But American Alpha's gone, the Void Villains are gone, the hype Bros are gone, Alexa Bliss is gone, Sami Zayn is gone, Emma and Dana Brooke, Enzo and Cass, Corbin, Cruz, and I'm just going right down the list. That's a lot of talent to lose in the span of eight, yeah. nine, ten months, especially when you're a brand that has one hour of weekly television and then a special every two or three months. There's there, there's there's need for that star power, and I think what helps NXT in that regard is the fact that they only have one hour of television per week, a couple of live events on the weekends, usually around Florida and sometimes the bigger ones. They were just recently in Baltimore area, and like you said, they're coming to New York City uh, a little bit before Survivor Series. But because they only have that limited TV slot and and a takeover once every couple of months, there's time to build those things and build those stars and, and you know have Bobby Roode work one or two times in a taping and that gets you for six weeks. Mm-hmm. So that that helps them a little bit, I think. As as much as as much as it's kind of you know you want to see more NXT all the time, that kind of helps them and it, it helps bridge the gap while they're they're missing some of that talent that they don't have from last year.
1: Right, and I'm sure WWE looks at this as kind of just incessant whining, you know, because the reality is they do all eventually get over to the main roster and then all this is just kind of a distant memory. Um but just because they'll eventually get there doesn't mean that uh we're wrong for complaining or I should say I speak for myself for complaining uh, uh now and and a lot of that does have to do with with timing. It's like um yes, you know, if Nakamura is headlining WrestleMania uh, in a year and a half from now or, or whatever, then what did it matter Matter whether he was in uh, NXT for six months or eight months or a year or a year and a half? Uh, but again, when when you're talking about a guy who is, uh, whatever he is, 37, 38 years old, every month matters. Uh, and especially when you're talking about a main roster that is somewhat depleted, especially since the brand split. I mean, there, there's no shortage of talent in WWE's main rosters as a whole. But when you look at them each individually, there is a shortage of talent. And we saw it at the last SmackDown pay-per-view, which didn't have very much depth at all. I mean, you had the the main event that kicked off the show, and by the end of the show, um, they're headlining with Randy Orton and and Bray Wyatt, which is not really that strong a match. You know, the the point is, Raw and SmackDown could really use a guy like Nakamura or Joe or Bobby Roode. And, And another point about all that that is sort of the irony when you talk about developmental... And when we talk about these, these stars of NXT that we want to see graduate or that have graduated, and it is Joe and Nakamura and Finn Balor and Kevin Owens and uh, on and on, are any of those true WWE developmental talents? I mean, you, you give the, uh, the minor league baseball analogy. None of these guys would be minor league stars. They're all major league stars playing in a minor league system. And where are those minor league stars? Where are those homegrown guys? I mean, do you think that, that they're there? When you look at the, the NXT roster aside, and now, you know, people are talking to Roderick Strong. He's he's the, the exciting new signing. Another guy with a long, long reputation who's already uh, established a reputation on the Indies. Are there those homegrown guys there who you think could become stars, guys who were, um, I mean, closer to Roman Reigns types?
2: I I think there's a few guys there that can
1: fit that bill. And like
2: you said, you know, you look at the the Champas and Garganos and the Aries and the Strongs and Bobby Roode and all those guys, yes, that's, It'd be like if, you know, when the Yankees signed Masahiro Tanaka a few years ago, if they sent him to AAA for a little while before they brought him to the Major League roster. That's pretty much what you're looking at in terms of another baseball analogy. And sorry, I keep making those baseball analogies, but we've got playoff baseball in the midst, too, so it's, it's fresh on the brain. Yeah. But uh, number one, uh, number one is, is a guy that was featured last night, uh, and that being No Way Jose.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, just looking at him in that match with Rich Swan and Tony Nese and Drew Gulak, all of those guys – Outside of No Jose, have worked the indies. I mean, you and I have seen Drew Gulak wrestle 10 years ago in, you know, and in, in the smallest of venues. And he's worked his way up. And Tony Nese has done the same with what he's done in Evolve of late. Uh, and Rich Swan, we know he's he's worked up and down the East Coast for years as well. Noe Jose kind of comes from a, a different uh, a different pedigree. Um, he worked, you know, a couple of years in the Mid Atlantic uh, before signing with WWE, and then you know has become what he's become. And he's more along the lines of a true WWE, you know, performance center, developmental, um, homegrown talent, as you said. Uh, just the charisma he has, the moveset he has, he's he's a big enough guy, but he's he doesn't look too big next to the cruiserweights, but he doesn't look too small next to guys like Samoa Joe. He's just right in that perfect, you know, that perfect size range. And with his charisma and he can only get better as he continues to work through NXT, he could be probably, I would say, maybe the number one, a guy that fits that bill right now in terms of a future top tier or or even, you know, very, very over-talent for WWE. Uh, Two more of the names I'll give you are a tag team, and it's The Revival. Mm -hmm. Um, They are Tully and R&2K16. We know this. Anyone who watches any of their matches knows this. When I was live-tweeting for for PWI from TakeOver Brooklyn, I I believe I said that uh, their match, you know, that night against Champagne gargano was probably one of the greatest matches one of the greatest tag team matches i've ever seen and in an era of now 2016 where tag team wrestling has gone from you know a a way to just fill the card to uh, a true you know tag team wrestling was in its pinnacle in the late late 80s early 90s to more it's downstream and now it's you know outside of the dusty classic it's putting some guys together who might not have anything else going on seems to be the 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 prevailing tag team strategy and it's going back to a golden era again, it seems, but those two guys, what they do together just works. And the same thing, you know, uh, I know Dawson wrestled for eight, nine years on the Indies before he came to WWE in uh, 2012 and uh, same with Dash Wilder. He, he came a little later, but they worked for a little while, but they weren't big names. They've kind of come through the performance center. They were put together. They were just kind of there for a little while. And now as the revival, there's something special and you can, bring guys like that right up to the main roster the same way they did with Enzo and Cass and they're going to be over because of what they do, not because you need to give them some kind of crazy gimmick or you need to, you know, hype them up and, and build them up. As soon as they get there, people are going to be like, Oh, the revival, these guys, what they do is great. Uh, The fourth, I was going to say, I'll give you a female, uh, a little female flavor on this uh, as we go back to the female 50 coming out soon. Um, I know she again she's worked uh up and down you know the indies and, and throughout the uh throughout the world but uh not so much here um and that being Ember Moon uh uh-huh. you know she's got a, a presence about her and you know in ring development uh can happen you, you know you can you can become a good wrestler over time or or a competent wrestler or whatever you need to be um, you know, Charlotte wasn't the uh, Charlotte wasn't exactly the greatest wrestler in the world when she came to to NXT early on. And, and you know, her and Sasha Banks and Bailey, <laughs> Becky Lynch as the horsewomen, and the now on the main roster, I mean, they've come leaps and bounds. Ember um, Moon, you know, she's a little rough around the edges, but she's had a few years in Shimmer. Uh, she's you know worked or, or throughout the uh, the big independent female promotions, and now. She came into WWE, she got to the performance center and now she's up on the, the main NXT roster. If you can consider that homegrown, then she's probably the best one of that bunch too, because she'll she'll have that presence about her. So as she continues to develop in the ring and, you know, learn the WWE style and, and get over with the NXT crowd, she can rise through the same way, you know, Bailey is the ultimate example of what mm-hmm. you what you can do from, from the bottom up. But uh she she can get close.
1: Yeah, yeah. With you on uh, Ember Moon, for sure. I think she's got uh, a great look, a unique wrestling style. I think she would do well on the uh, the main roster. With you on No Way Jose uh, as well. Again, definitely got, you know, the right mix of sports entertainment there. The entrance, I think it works. I think he's got a natural charisma. I don't know that I'm with you uh, on, on the revival. And I agree with your assessment of them uh, being just terrific uh, workers in the ring and sort of— uh, I feel a good fit for NXT. I don't know how well that translates uh, onto the main roster because I just don't know if that's enough. And I I sort of think of of, um, Anderson and uh, Doc Gallows, and I remember all the excitement about them coming over, and I had the same concerns about them. I just don't know how well that kind of, you know, black trunks sort of thing uh, works on the WWE main roster. And what do they end up doing? They saddle them with this you know, corny gimmick where they're doctors or whatever it was, you know, the kind of the square peg in the round hole to try to pull some sports entertainment out of them. And, um, you know, they're really flat right now. And I wonder if the same happens with uh, the revival. And, you know, both ways it could end up being really bad, either to to kind of make them a better fit for, for WWE. They saddle them with some gimmick that isn't really a good fit. Or they just send it, send them out there doing the same act they're doing NXT and it kinda of falls flat because uh the casual fan, the mainstream WWE fan is gonna want something more than that. So one other name I wanted to bounce off of you and, and you brought him up not long ago. Uh Hideo Itami, you know, before Nakamura, he was the big sensation uh from Japan that NXT signed and it's just been a string of, of unfortunate incidents for um from him now to there's some uh, concerned whether he'll ever be able to wrestle again, whether, you know, at his relatively young age, he's pretty much done. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? If that is the end, how big a loss is it to not have him around? To,
2: to be honest, I, and I hate to say this this way, because, you know, you and I know, and a lot of people listening to this podcast know just what he did in Japan and the star that, that Kenta was before he became Hideo Itami. For WWE, honestly, if that's it for Hideo Itami, it's not really a big loss, for the sole fact that he spent more than half of his tenure in the WWE system on the sidelines. So yeah. it, it's a big loss in terms of yes, what could have been with Hideo Itami. You can look back. I mean, I don't want to compare it to something that happened like that, but you know, when when you and I were young and, and watching wrestling, and, and we, you know, what happened with Magnum T A with the car crash and his career, you look at him and say. Oh man, what if this guy had the charisma, this guy had the, the look, this guy had the the wrestling ability, what could have been with him? You look at that, and I hate to use that as a marker, but it's the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. The same the same applies with the Tommy. It's you know, you know what he did in Japan, you know what he's capable of, you know what you've seen out of him when he's been healthy. And I, I'm very sad that I'm not gonna get a chance to see him and Austin Aries light it up as a fan, because that could be a match-of-the-year candidate no matter when they go out there in the ring. Unfortunately, having said that, with him having missed most of his time in the WWE system because of injury, you can only look at that as a what-if, but it's not like you even really got too much of a taste of, man, Hideo Itami is going to be a superstar in WWE. He was around for a little while. He, you know, he, he got his feet wet. He had a little bit of a, of a, of a learning curve coming over from Japan. Uh, that, that Nakamura really hasn't seemed to need. Uh-huh. And then he got hurt, and then he was on the sidelines for a year and change, and he comes back, and he's been back for, what, two or three months now in, in theory, and then he's hurt again. It's, it's just one of those things where you'll look at it five years from now, if this is the end, and say, man, what could have been? But not in, a, not in a Daniel Bryan way where, you, right. you man, man, I just missed that. Like, this guy was the best. It's more of a, like, gee, I, I wonder what this guy could have done. It probably could have been great, but eh, it didn't really work out.
1: Yeah, but I wonder how great it could have been. Uh, again, an act that I'm not sure translates that well to the main roster because of the language problem. And it's something that the Nakamura, I don't think, is going to have to uh, worry about much. I don't know if you did. You hear Nakamura on uh, Jericho's podcast some months back? I did. Yeah, I, I mean, did, yes. The guy can speak English, you know, uh, uh, certainly well enough to carry a promo and to kind of get his character over. Um, that's a real issue with Atami. And, you know, you can talk about whether you get him a manager or a mouthpiece. WWE isn't uh, prone to doing that, certainly not with baby faces. You saw when they got the original Sin Cara and and they, they tried to create a star out of him without having him talk at all. It doesn't really work. Um, so, this is, whether it's Atami uh, uh, or any talent that they're looking to bring over from, from Japan, I mean, obviously they're interested in Kota Bushi or even in uh, Mexico, they've got to figure this out. I mean, I don't know if it's English lessons, I don't know how uh, realistic that is to to be able to teach them the language fast enough for them to be able to, to cut meaningful promos, um, or whether it is a matter of, you know, introducing managers or even interpreters i mean i think about ufc and um all the brazilian stars they have who you know and anderson silva who one of the biggest stars they've ever had it's never really been an issue you know you just know that at the end of his fight when he's going to cut his promo you know with joe rogan in the octagon they bring the interpreter in and he, he tells you what he says and uh, uh, the the fighter gets to be himself. He gets to express himself and you see the body language and the emotion and all that. And you're just relying on the interpreter to kind of explain what the words are that he, he said. So I wonder if that's a route to go, you know? So anyhow, um, it's,
2: um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a thought. It, and the thing with the, the thing with Nakamura, like you said, I mean, even when he was interacting with Samoa Joe prior to their, their first matches, where you know, somebody was like, I don't understand you, and he's like, yeah, me either. Like he just has that charisma where it's like, it, this isn't his first language, but he still has that charisma and that ability and that knowledge to bring forth something funny or something that just makes him come across less robotic than someone who's just learning the language. And that is a, that is a problem with Atami, and that was part of the learning curve I was alluding to earlier. Yeah um you know to use the sports analogy again i mean in baseball they have interpreters for the japanese players and and every every baseball team now has a a translator in the clubhouse for spanish-speaking players because that's just the way it is there's a prevalence of these guys and and they're they're making them as comfortable as possible the fear would be if wwe goes into you don't want it to go into you know what they did with kai and tai years ago you don't want it to become that kind of comical event which who knows what could happen but uh you know, like I said, that's part of the learning curve. So when it comes to Tommy or guys like the original Sin Cara or, or other talents from from international um, signees, it, it's something that definitely needs to be looked at.
1: I don't even think they need to be, you know, WDB employees necessarily. I wouldn't mind if it's a, inter- a different interpreter every week. Um, and, and in fact, I think they should be played down, you know, Um I, I know something about uh, interpreting, and uh, I know that when when you hire interpreters for certain events, uh, I'm thinking sign language interpreters, and uh, the uh, the directive to the interpreter is wear all black. And so they stand in front of the room, and the idea is to blend in as much as possible. You're not supposed to stand out. And I'm saying legitimately hire an interpreter, you know, and, oh, yeah. and let the guy yeah. cut his promo and have a guy there who maybe— Works in whatever city you are to to interpret it. So, I don't know. I'm Anyhow, don't want to spend too much time. You can just team him up with him, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I want to spend a moment here talking about, uh, we're already kind of going a little long, uh, but but I do want to talk uh, Goldberg. Uh, so, Monday night, the return of Goldberg, one of the more memorable moments, um, I'd say even of the year for, for WWE, because these kind of returns... Uh, which I think for, for years and years over the last 10, 15 years were one of the highlights of wrestling, one of the things you'd you'd really look forward to, a star from the past returning home. They're becoming fewer and, and further between as guys age out or um, a lot of them are already back in the fold. So there just aren't that many uh, uh, top stars from yesteryear who could still believably make a run um, who you could bring back. So, you know, Goldberg's a biggie. Um i th- I think the reaction he got you know exceeded everybody's expectations. I mean, I wouldn't have thought uh I know he was gonna get a, a star treatment, but man, it just couldn't have gone better. People were just absolutely going nuts uh and I thought it was a really nice moment i mean i have I have no complaints. I thought he looked good. I think there was a real sincerity in him um you know you you kind of forget what a true baby face looks and acts like and I think they've created some real anticipation for a match that just a few weeks ago I would not have thought. um, Certainly Goldberg's return was always going to be a big deal, but I didn't know that that'd be the match that everybody would be excited to see. But uh, certainly thanks to Goldberg, thanks to Paul Heyman, uh, I think they've got a legit big match on their hands for Survivor Series. What do you think?
2: Oh, absolutely, and I mean— you talk about things that could have been, you look back to WrestleMania 20 with both of them leaving the company and the the fans at Madison square garden, of which I, I don't know if I should be proud or sad that I was one of that night. I was there too. Yeah. Turning on, just completely turning on those two guys and, and Steve Austin becoming the highlight of the match. Now you have a chance to rectify that in terms of, you know, what could have been. And as you mentioned, Goldberg is really the last of the, you know, the attitude era or, or, or later stars. Um, that you can really – he's the last ace in the hole to pull out for a surprise return. And for a, for a fan base that unfortunately at times is taught to forget yesterday, let alone 12 years ago, I mean, the reaction he got was unbelievable. Uh, and people tuned in to Raw in higher numbers than they have in, in mm-hmm. months um, to see the return of Goldberg, which didn't come until, what, 1045. I mean, so that was perfect timing on WWE's part. Um, the problem The problem I have with it is this. I, I love, loved Goldberg as a fan in the, the 90s and 2000s. I mean that was the prime – that was my prime years as a human being, the college and post-college years. I loved Goldberg as a fan. He was always a mercenary. He was a dude that came in, you know, kicked butt, didn't even bother chewing bubblegum because he didn't have time and, and just <laughs> did what he did. Um, 12 years later, I'm still intrigued to see him because, oh, man, Goldberg. That's going to be awesome. Goldberg, Lesnar, they're going to beat the crap out of each other. The problem I have with it is this. Uh, Survivor Series is November twentieth. On November twenty-first, what happens?
1: Yeah, and you know, that's always what they run into, get, you know. Yeah, when you know, when they, they bring the back bad rap these big for stars. The
2: right, they get the bad rap for the part timers, and you know, um, Dean Ambrose has taken shots at John Cena on SmackDown of late too, with with his schedule, and, you know, being what it is. And they back themselves into that corner and then great Goldberg Lesnar is gonna be amazing. And if they have plans for uh a, you know, two matches or a trilogy or building whatever they have plans for, we don't know. But as of right now, you look at it and go, Man, this is gonna be great and Survivor Series is gonna be awesome because of it, but is there gonna be a reason for me to care on November twenty first?
1: Yeah, what what is the right finish there? I mean, how do you book your way uh out of this? Obviously the happy ending is Goldberg going over, but he already beat him once. Uh, neither is a full-time guy, but Lesnar is going to be around for the foreseeable future in, in the role that he's in now. And certainly, I would think, would factor into WrestleMania next year uh, in a in a pretty major way. So you yep. think the priority would be to protect him. Um, but, you know, it's hard to think about that, that Goldberg would just come back to lose. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, it could just be some kind of schmazz or something.
2: i you know, I, I hate to pull out the, the fantasy booking card because you never know what can happen. But I, ideally, you know, they, they've painted Lesnar into a corner where he got the biggest win that was left in professional wrestling. He beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania a couple years ago. That was the last win that could have rocketed. You know, if, if I beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania, I would be the biggest star in the industry. That's how big that win is. So now you've got a guy who comes in every few months, and he does what he does, and yes, he's a beast, and people love him, and he draws you know, the ratings when he's around, and people love to watch him just beat other people up. But now you've got a, another guy in Goldberg who's always been in the same role in his entire career. I, I feel like, honestly, if WWE can come to terms with him to work a few more shows, if maybe you do some kind of double disqualification or some kind of, – like you said, some kind of schmaz at Survivor Series – pull it through, put both guys in the Royal Rumble and have them eliminate each other or some kind of shenanigans the same way that their feud started in 2004, and then blow it off at WrestleMania. And obviously Lesnar, you know, he's the one who's going to be around, so him losing doesn't really make a lot of sense. Maybe it does, because the one guy who could take down (laughs) Lesnar who took down The Legend of the Undertaker is Goldberg. Maybe it does. But if he can draw it out for a few months and have them have a couple of matches against each other and just keep building that intrigue, then maybe there's something there. But if it's a one and done like i said it's going to be great but on november 21st so what
1: yeah and the crazy thing is again looking ahead to you know w- what is the big match that all this is building to it's very likely that it's Brock Lesnar versus Shane McMahon at at WrestleMania <laughs> and and uh yeah what a head scratcher um but you know i i think Goldberg can lose and say face if uh as you said this is not his last match, and and um, given the reaction that fans had for him and the difference he made in the ratings, I'm sure they're going to be sweating the deal to see if he's willing to, to work a little bit more. Um, so I think it's possible that he could drop the match to uh, Lesnar even cleanly and... Still say face, another kind of UFC analogy. You're with the baseball analogies. I'm with the uh, UFC analogies. Uh, uh, Dan Henderson, at at 46, 47 years old, just fought for uh, the middleweight title against Michael Bisping in the main event of UFC uh, 204. Went five rounds with the champ. Um, You know, Henderson was like 14th ranked. He got this title shot essentially as a gift. He said, win, lose, or draw, I'm retiring after this match lost that match in what I think people thought was a pretty close decision, and absolutely went out on top in that, you know, a 46-year-old guy hung in there with a world champion, went the distance. It's Rocky Balboa, uh, the 2006 movie. So I think you could do something like that with Goldberg. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't have to win to say face.
2: No, and the analogy I was going to make there with the boxing thing is Bernard Hopkins, who, you know— the, those those who are listening that are boxing fans know that Bernard Hopkins is one of the greatest fighters of all time, in his weight class. He's uh, he's fighting once again, I believe, uh, next month his final fight. He's hanging it up. He's fifty. The I man's fifty one years old. I'm thirty six, and some days after playing softball doubleheaders. I can barely <laughs> get out of bed. So for him to get in the ring at fifty one, all the credit to him. But he, he's fighting a guy who's you know lesser known, kind of working his way up. And it's the same thing. If he goes out and he wins, it doesn't really hurt too much of the guy he's fighting because you know what yeah he may be 51 he may be a step slow but you just lost to bernard hopkins Mm -hmm. and if he loses hey i'm 51 years old (laughs) you know what i mean so i i I got to go out on my terms it's the same here with the lesnar goldberg thing you know this is his first match since what 2004 he hasn't he hasn't been in wwe since wrestlemania and I i don't know how many appearances he's made since anywhere else but this is goldberg's first match in a long time and he's close to 50 years old and you know no matter what happens it's it's He's still got the mystique of Goldberg,
1: right, that said, I think if he loses to Lesnar, um which I think he can and even lose clean, I do think you bring him back for one more match, whether it's WrestleMania, and you give him the clean win, you let him you know end his career with a spear and a jackhammer, and it doesn't need to be against a top top guy. I mean get a guy that you could feed to Goldberg, whether it's uh I Don't know, Sheamus or, or somebody, Bray. Bray Wyatt, somebody, Bray Wyatt, somebody you can, yeah, somebody you could build up and who could take the loss. And uh, it's not going to hurt the Chris Jericho, might be exactly I, I that just kind of guy that
2: from their WCW uh, interactions right. back in 1990. Yeah, you know what? That might be
1: that's that's a real WrestleMania match, you know, if you could put that together. And I'm sure Jericho would be happy to do the honors for Bill Goldberg, so um, Let's yeah. Do All right, Louis, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time. Hope to get you back here before long, maybe uh, around the next NXT TakeOver.
2: Hey, you know me, Al. Anytime you need me, I'm ready to go, so I appreciate you having me on for the full show this
1: week. Absolutely. And now let's hear from uh, WWE Cruiserweight star Johnny Gargano. Uh, On on one hand, I mean, obviously, moving on to to Greener Pastures and, and, you know, whatever a wrestler dreams of, I'm sure, uh, getting a, a spot at WWE. But On the other hand, I mean, uh, this lifestyle has has been part of your life for so long now. Um, and I imagine it's just, you know, it's the routine. I mean, working weekends and, and driving from town to town and, and indie shows of, of different sizes, some of them I'm sure are quite small. Uh, are you going to miss all that?
0: I will. Um, I've done it for 12 years. It's definitely a part of who I am. It's always going to be a part of who I am, though. Uh, just recently, I was folding uh t shirts uh with my fiance um and, like various like hundreds and upon hundreds of t shirts for merchandise purposes and uh she looked at me and said, "This is the last time we're gonna do this wow. and it kind of hit me like this it is like I don't have to pack hundreds of shirts with me and lug them around everywhere and and uh order merchandise and make sure I have eight by tens and do all that type of stuff like I don't have to do that anymore. But I'm going to miss that. Uh, that's what I'm used to doing. I was thinking just recently, too, I was like, man, this is the last time I'm going to be – because, like, when you have – when you use certain indies so many times, you kind of have a certain regimen you do. You get in the car with certain people. Uh, you go to the gym with certain people. You stay in hotel room with certain people because that's what you do on indies. You share hotel rooms uh, with multiple guys. Uh, so I was I was thinking, like, man, this is the last time I'm going to do a lot of this. And it's, uh, it's really – it's, it's kind of sad for me. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I, I, I've gotten, gotten so used to it, and it's something I really look forward to. And I think, honestly, that's the best part about indie wrestling, too, is uh, the camaraderie and the kind of connection you make with not just the wrestlers, but with fans as well. Because you look at indie wrestling, and it's not like the mainstream WWE where fans are going to sit in a 15,000-seat arena and be thousands of feet away from me. Indie wrestling, they can come up to my merch table and buy a T-shirt from me directly. Uh, so you do make a certain connection with fans, and uh, that's what I'm going to miss the most. That does
1: all that and, and all the other uncertainty that comes with um, transitioning over to WWE uh, give you some apprehension, some second-guessing, is this the best move? I mean, you know, you go from sort of the big fish to in, in the small pond to the, the small fish in the biggest pond that, that there is. And, um, I, and I know for some people it hasn't been for them, right? I mean, some people have tried it and, and decided, no, this really isn't for me. I really was better off in, in the indies. Uh, so how how confident are you that this is the right move for you?
0: I'm fairly confident. Uh, I'm such a unique case. Uh, I feel right now, and it's, it's so weird, and it's so wild, and that's just what 2016 is all about, is weird and wild stuff happening. I'm a very unique case because I've kind of been in the WE system, For the past year Mm -hmm. so I've been around it I've been in it uh, and I know what's ahead and I know the type of people that are in charge there and they're great people and uh, I'm not just saying that because (laughs) I work for their company I'm saying that because I believe in what they're doing and I believe in their plans and I believe in their goals and I believe in the type of people they are it's a very exciting time in wrestling. Uh, you look at things like the Cruiserweight Classic. Look at NXT, the type of product they're putting out every week. Uh, it's good wrestling, man. And, uh, that's what we've wanted for a very, very long time. Guys like me, who've been traveling around the world for 12 years, who are undersized, who never thought they'd be on Monday Night Raw, are going to be on Monday Night Raw in our Cruiserweight division. Um, so it's not, I'm not going into this with apprehension. I'm going into this with full belief and full confidence in what I can do and uh full confidence in uh the future of wrestling.
1: Yeah. I want to ask you about kind of the weird way that that you started in WWE uh, a, a year ago if if I remember correctly uh it it was sort of maybe an, a handshake deal is uh a an exaggeration but you weren't signed to WWE um it was this this kind of system where they were working with, with Gabe um, unofficially uh, and, you know, seeing so many top indie workers um, uh, get signed by WWE snatched up right away, WWE kind of knowing, you know, with, with confidence uh, and certainty that, yes, we want this guy, and, and not having having to sort of prove yourself over a, a course of a year, despite having uh, one of the best reputations uh, on the indies. I mean, you're one one of the, the most sort of known commodities. Uh, was, was that um, – Part at all? I mean, is it sort of a, a blow to your ego that, you know, I got to prove myself to these guys, that sort of thing?
0: I mean, I kind of went into it thinking that, and I, I go into a lot of situations thinking that I need to show them what I can do. Whenever I step through a curtain, like, uh, well, let's say this weekend, for instance, at Evolve in Long Island, I'm going to go out through the curtain expecting that no one's going to know who I am, given that it's my farewell, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of pomp and circumstance behind it i'm still going to go out through the curtain thinking i, I hope people know who i am because that's just how i am that's i i never expect that people are going to know who i am um i'm very i don't know naive in that way uh because that's just how i've always been that's how i am i don't like any of my own work i don't like any of my own matches uh i don't see myself as a big deal i just see myself as a dude who's lucky enough to go out there and live out his dream of being a professional wrestler. Um, I don't, I don't, it wasn't a blow to my ego at all, because I knew it was just a different monster. Being up there is a different kind of animal. And uh, I I was just confident in my abilities. I know what I can do. uh, And I was just hoping for the opportunity to show them that. And I think I've gotten that opportunity to show them that. And uh, yeah, it it was, it, it was, it's different. But I wouldn't change anything about it because, at the end of the day, I earned everything I was got I was given there. Uh it wasn't something where I came in and it was like, Oh you're gonna get this, 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 this. It was you kinda have to earn it. And I think uh I think we've earned it. Yeah, yeah. And
1: and you say we, you know, you you ended up in kind of a an unlikely tag team with with Tommaso Champa. Um then and you guys have gotten great, great reviews. The the match you just had at at uh Takeovers talked about one of the best WWE matches, uh of the year. Um has that been sort of a, an unexpected sort of pleasant surprise um to, to find yourself in a tag team as a, as a, a tag team act um and have you enjoyed it so far?
0: Um it's been different. It's been nice. Uh for the simple fact that I wasn't going into this thing alone. Uh I was able to go into it with a guy who was one of my friends. I'm not going to say we were the closest friends, but we were friends, we traveled together. Uh since being paired together for the past year we've grown into great friends. Uh he's gonna be in my wedding in two weeks. Uh so it, it's it's kinda of grown into that that much of a, a friendship. Uh because I, I honestly spend more time with Tommaso than I do with a lot of people. sometimes I even spend more t- more time with Tommaso than I do with my own fiance. Uh that's just how things go at this point. Um but it's it's we kind of we got thrust together and it kind of took a bit, but I think we're finally now hitting our stride. We finally realized who we are as not only wrestlers, but as characters as well. And I think people really latched on to that. Because um, we were opponents many times before we came to WWE. And uh, if you see in the first round of the Cruiserweight Classic, that's what we're very comfortable being as opponents. Uh, but to grow together as, as a team and to have that match in Brooklyn against the Revival, a match that has been so heavily praised, it's... Uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: What well, What do you make of of uh, the, the the creation of a, a cruiserweight division in in WWE and being part of it? I mean, on one hand, uh, I know people are are thrilled with the return of this style of wrestling and that WWE is embracing something that in the past uh, they haven't so much. Uh, but there's also some concerns about. Uh, any wrestler being sort of pigeonholed as a, a cruiserweight, and does that does that mean you'll you'll never contend for a world title? Does that limit uh, your your potential to compete in a main event, um, that kind of thing? So, what's your attitude toward that?
0: I'm kind of taking it as it comes.
1: Uh, I'm very lucky to be a part of.
0: I think they've announced ten guys so far. Uh, be a part of the 10 guys they've announced, because I mean, you look at these guys, I've traveled with these guys, I've wrestled these guys around the world, they're some of the best wrestlers in the world, and I mentioned earlier, like, they're the guys that you look at and you're like, those guys are never going to be on Monday Night Raw, and now you see them, and they're going to be on Monday Night Raw. I think um, people maybe should not worry about the future, and just kind of take things as they come now, and as they come now, you're getting 10 of the best professional wrestlers in the world, they're going to be appearing on Monday Night Raw every that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I I have nothing but confidence in the direction of the Cruiserweight division. I mean, as you look at how the Cruiserweight Classic has been presented, it's been presented, you look at the production behind it, you look at the everything that just goes into it. I, I watched the first, uh, the first episode of it, and I was blown away just by the intro for it. Yeah. Um, I think the right people in charge, and I think they get it. I think they know um, what's good and I think they know how to do things and how to run things properly. Uh, so I, I have nothing but confidence in the fact that the right people are going to be in it, and uh, where it goes in the future, I think it'll be it'll be good for everyone, wrestling fans and wrestlers alike.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you talk about it being such a, a crazy year, and that's certainly one of the, the craziest, and uh, another big one is just that there is this relationship with Gabe and uh, Evolve. I mean, for so long... Um, it felt like WWE didn't even would acknowledge uh, the independence and now they're working very closely with them. And, and um, I know Triple H has even talked about uh, Gabe and and Evolve sort of as um, officially or unofficially kind of a feeder system. Um, wh- what what does that say about Gabe, um, his vision for wrestling, his vision for for talent, that uh, it would catch the eye uh, of a Triple H and you know and and really. Cr- create the system for potential WrestleMania headliners.
0: When you look at Gabe's track record with guys. He has an incredible eye for talent. You look at guys who are on Raw and SmackDown every week. You look at guys who have been it WrestleMania. They've worked for Gabe's Polski at some point. Um, I think Gabe has an incredible eye for talent. Um, for me personally, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for Gabe Zipolsky, and I, I'll say that until the end of time. Um, I've always had a very different relationship with Gabe, I feel. Um, Because I feel when Gabe ran ROH back in the day, it was more like buddy-buddy with him. Uh, But with Gabe and me, it's more big brother-little brother, uh, just because of the age difference and whatnot, and just of how he's looked out for me, and uh, he's he's always been great for me. And I've always had a great relationship with him. I think it's gone... Uh it's it's more than like a, a booker wrestler relationship. I think we are we are friends and we can uh kind of ping pong ideas off one another and that's that's the best part about it is uh Gabe is very open to letting guys be themselves. Yeah. And uh he's just got a great eye for talent, he's got a great mind and um I I think a lot of people are worried right now they think that a lot of a lot of guys are leaving and that's just what happens. A lot of guys are leaving, and uh, they're going on up to WWE, and they're doing different things. Uh, A lot of people are worried about the future of indie wrestling, and uh, I think uh, with guys like Gabe Sapolsky in charge, um, they're going to find the next crop. And uh, that's just how indie wrestling works: one guy leaves, another guy steps up. That's that's what kind of has to happen. Um, I feel like I've done I've done everything I possibly could on the indies. I've been around for a long time, and so it's time for me to step aside and let a guy like a Zach Sabre Jr. uh let a guy like a Matt Riddle, let a guy like a Tony Nese, let a guy like, even like a guy like Ethan Page uh step up and uh take my spot cuz uh that's what in the wrestling needs is uh the next proper guy to step up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And any uh uh if, if I read correctly you're 29 now, right? Yes, 29. 29 and a guy has been doing it for 12 years. I mean that really speaks to to how young you started. Um but, I, I know one of the um, uh, the criticisms sometimes WWE, uh, of WWE is that they wait so long to pull the trigger on guys and even to sign guys, uh, and now, um, you know, you can be almost 30 and, and just starting out in, in WWE. Uh, is that a good thing? I mean, are you going there a little wiser, a little older, more prepared for it? Is it uh, sort of bittersweet in that uh, maybe some of the, the, the best years uh, years you were in your athletic prime are behind you um, and, you know, it means that it, it's fewer years that you'll be able to compete in WWE. Uh, what's your take on, on how age plays into this?
0: I couldn't imagine going any sooner than I am right now. Uh, like thinking about the past, how I've done extra work for WWE. I did extra work for WWE when I was 18 years old. And uh, to imagine going there then, I was in no position to succeed whatsoever, uh, just personally for me. Um, I believe there's There's a thing. There's, there's something in right place, right time. There's something, and everything happens for a reason. Uh, I, I, I've said this numerous times, and I said this kind of when I announced that I was leaving the Indies. That uh, my conversation I had to go back to him, Gabe Spolty, is he told me that when I signed my first, when I signed my first contract on the Indies uh, six years ago, I believe at this point, um, he told me that uh, wrestling on the Indies is kind of like being a doctor. Um, you need to go to school first. You can't just go and start operating on people and be successful at it. You need to go to school, you need to learn, you need to hone your your craft. That's what the Indies are. They're your school. Um, When you're ready, when you're ready to graduate and move on, you're ready. Um, I feel like I'm ready. I feel like uh, I've done everything I possibly could. I've learned everything I possibly can, and I am much wiser going into it. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, wrestling on the Indies for 12 years has taken a toll on my body. I mean, that'd be stupid if I didn't say that, but I, I feel great physically. I feel great mentally. Um, and with everything WWE has in place right now, with how on top of injuries they are, with how um, great their training staff is, with how great their medical staff is, I mean, it's it's, it's really a brush of fresh air. It's, it's gonna, I think it's going to add more years to my career than take anything off. Uh, I know the schedule's harder, but um, you look at everything. Like you, I go to the Indies, and uh, I mean, a lot of times they're. AT tape, and I need to bring my own foam rollers, and I need to get stretch. I need to stretch out myself. With the V staff there, they have, they have, uh, you know, their own tape. They can tape you up for you. They have foam rollers. They have anything you possibly need to put you in the best possible position to succeed physically. Uh, so I think, if anything, it's going to add a couple more years to my career, and uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, yeah.
1: One of the things that, that I also think is interesting about you is that um, you have become such a commodity in indies and really created a name for yourself, and now making that transition uh, to WWE, that's not different than a lot of people before you. But um, one thing, and and I think maybe this is more and more the case with WWE working with Evolve, is uh, you sort of skip the step, and and that's Ring of Honor, and so many of these guys, whether it's Punk or Joe or um, Seth Rollins or uh, so many, that's usually sort of been the progression in the past is kind of from the Indies to Ring of Honor, create a name there, and then come over to WWE. Why did that never kind of work out for you? Um, were you not interested? I can't imagine they weren't interested in you.
0: Um, Actually, I had an ROH dark match many years ago. I think back in, like, 2008. Uh, and at that time, Gabe Sapolsky was still with the company. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that dark match, and then I hurt my back after that. So nothing happened with that. Um, but during that time period where I was taking time off for my back injury, uh, Gabe actually got released. And then when I started coming back, uh, when I had my first match back, is actually when I was told that Gabe is looking for guys for Dragon Gate USA, so I should email him. So I emailed Gabe, and he booked me for Dragon Gate USA. And uh, after that, a couple maybe months later, I signed a contract with them. Um, and it was kind of something where I believed in Gabe's vision. I believe in Gabe's plan, and it kind of does all come back to Gabe Polsky uh, because I felt like I wanted to stay there. I, I I know Gabe's history with ROH and everything like that, and that, that did kind of play a, a role in my not wanting to reach out to them and not wanting to even look at other options because I was happy. I was happy with what Gabe was doing. Um, I was happy with where I was headed, and I felt like I didn't want to um, – do anything that would hurt that. Uh, So I just, I wanted to stay the course. And for me personally, um, I wanted to be a part of something from the ground up. And I was a part of something with Dragon Gate USA and Evolve. I was on the very first Evolve show. And uh, I wanted to stay with that and kind of follow that through and see where I could take it. Um, And here we are. My last two shows, Evolve 68 and Evolve 69. Uh, and And at this point, we have eyes from WWE on it. Uh, I just did an interview with WWE.com promoting these shows this weekend for Evolve. Uh, So to be able to do that and to be able to bring those eyes to Evolve before I leave, I think uh, it was a mission accomplished for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, talk about redemption. That's that's a big gamble to say I am going to forego, you know, this this uh, what's probably the, the. highest profile indie group in, in the country if you even want to consider them indie anymore a lot of people don't in ring of honor because i believe in this guy and and his vision and i'm going to stick to him and i'm his guy uh and it all works out i mean wow that 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 really does have to feel uh, great i mean that's just uh, yeah he took a good gamble there you're a cleveland guy right yeah cleveland ohio yes great year for for cleveland uh, sports fans um are are
0: you a ufc guy at all I'm not a UFC guy. Uh, I know UFC's in town this weekend. And they've got a uh, in heavyweight champion, yeah. Yeah, uh, I know they're just a uh, Sipe uh so I I am a V Cleveland sports fan. I am, unfortunately, I'll say, until recently, <laughs> unfortunately. Until recently, now we're good. We won, we won one at least, so I think everyone here's a little can breathe a little easier.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess the combination of, of all that is just going to be a great year for you. And, and you're getting married soon? I am getting married in
0: two weeks, I believe. <laughs> wow! What's wow, going on? Yeah. yeah, it's a wild time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: Anyway, I, I won't keep you much longer. One thing, wanted to, uh, uh, I guess, on behalf of PWI, issue an apology to you. One, one of, you know, we just put out the new PWI 500, and every year we have our share of mistakes, and some are worse than others. Uh, but one, one of my more memorable ones involved you. I don't know if you remember this.
0: Oh, I do. I think I know where you're <laughs> going with this.
1: Yeah, so if you're going with uh, Dakota Darso, or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. So this is like yep. maybe what 2010, 2011. Um, yep, yep. We ranked you, and I think you might have been like the highest ranked uh, indie guy. Um, I was. Fan. I was high. Up. I was excited. <laughs> yeah, it's all great except we ran the wrong picture. Yep. <laughs> we ran a picture of Dakota Darso. What, what do you remember about that? Was that was that just a funny thing? Was it kind of frustrating, you're, you know, trying to get your name out there. And I was.
0: Like I wasn't.
1: That. I wasn't. I wasn't angry or anything. It was just more so. Uh,
0: I was more upset for my parents because they bought. The the magazine. And they were like, What this isn't you? And I'm like, Oh yeah, because people started getting the magazine before I did I saw it and uh they wrote me on Facebook and said like that's not your picture and then I saw it in in like a grocery store and I was like, Yeah, that's definitely not me <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't angry or anything. I was I was honestly like I said, like I it's an honor and I'm lucky enough to be for rank. So uh if you think I look like Dakota Darso <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, that
1: was on you. You needed to change your looks so Yeah you know, right you look I like know All right, man. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate you taking the time and good luck with everything. Right on, dude. Thank you very much. Take care. Thanks, Thanks, man.